toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love you are listening to be the love to awaken our souls we are souls on the journey and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings We are here to open up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. This is Adrienne Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Nicholas David Mann. Namaste. My name is Nistella Joy Davy. This is Ron Interpreter, and you're listening to Be the Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be the Love to Awaken Our Souls. This episode is sponsored by Tom Palladino with Scalar Light. Sign up and receive your free 30-day Scalar Light healing at scalarlight.com. And you can listen to our interviews with Tom and the amazing benefits and healing potential in episodes 73 and 78. And I personally have been using the scalar energy daily and have noticed the shifts in energy, including the chakra balancing, energy clearing, and nutrient support. It's also a beautiful gift that I've been able to provide for my family. And I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey with our special guest, Zofia Renea Morales. We are your co-hosts and souls on the journey. And thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you have enjoyed listening to our show, we would be so grateful for a five-star written review on iTunes. Reviews help the show become more visible and spread the word to others. Please check out our Facebook community and get connected with other like-minded souls. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, and breathing out anything you are ready to release in this now moment. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself, And breathing out that light and love and sending it back to all of humanity, remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to. Our guest today is Zofia Reneas Morales, is an award-winning global strategist and former biophysicist. She had it all, a high-powered career, loving husband, gorgeous properties, adventure, good friends, you name it. She was living the dream until her fast-paced life screeched to a halt and left her in pieces. Brought to the edge of death by an undiagnosed chronic Lyme disease and was left bankrupt in every area of her life. Desperate for a miracle, Zofia cried her most heartfelt prayer, I will do anything to get better. This single prayer triggered an unanticipated 
Kundalini awakening, a spiritual activation that unlocked Sophia's gifts as an intuitive healer and mystic, changing her life completely. Sophia is now the host of the talk radio program, Sovereign Self, and the creator of the Conscious Enlightenment Process. As a transformation alchemist and teacher, she guides clients to find the gold within their most painful life transitions, helping people from all backgrounds notice how life wraps the best gifts in the shittiest wrapping paper. (laughs) Sophia's scientific and corporate background appeals to clients who appreciate the way she integrates a pragmatic woo and real life into her work. Seasoned with love and laughter, Sophia guides her clients through their own spiritual crises and onto their paths of passion and purpose with warmth, joy, tenderness, and play. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I always love having these conversations with people. It's so exciting. (laughs) We do as well. So tell us a little bit more about what led you down this spiritual path. Uh, Lead is maybe too gentle a word. (laughs) I'm Norwegian and German in heritage. And so I've got this double double dose of stubborn and stoic. (laughs) And so I'm not easily led anywhere. So I'm very familiar with the spiritual two by four upside the head. And uh, that's really what took me down this path. I kind of call it my reverse Job. If you remember the Bible story of Job, where the God and the devil are wagering on whether he'll lose his faith if he loses everything. Well, I had everything and none of the faith. And so I kind of had everything plucked away from me until there was nothing left but to reach for faith. And it all changed in a moment of surrender. I found myself in this rock and a hard place situation around my illness being in bankruptcy at the time, it really limits what your options are, especially if conventional medicine is not going to pay for it. And conventional medicine does not believe in chronic Lyme. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I'd arrived in this moment where we didn't have the funds to pay for what was needed. We knew what the problem was. I had reached out to my family and they had no way to assist in getting what I had been presented to me as a solution. And the Lyme literally will eat your brain at some point. It's a relative of syphilis. So if you know what syphilis does when it's untreated, it basically eats your brain and you lose your mind. And that's what was happening to me. And my husband would come home and say, hey, what'd you do today? And it will be this great blankness. Or if I did remember what it was, I couldn't grasp the words to tell him what had gone on. And it was a very frustrating and scary place to be. But I had this little bit of hope because we knew what the problem was finally. It had been decades I'd been going to different doctors and looking for answers and none of the answers fit. There was a lot of, well, it could be atypical. And then they would fill in the blank with lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or fibromyalgia or whatever it was. And generally, when the medical community tells you that something is atypical, it means they haven't arrived at quite the right diagnosis yet. And when we arrived on Lyme, it fit. All of it fit. And so I knew in my core that this is what I was struggling with, but I couldn't afford what it took to make it happen, according to the conventional 
a functional medicine guy I, that had diagnosed me. And I'd had a conversation earlier in the day with the insurance company and they were like, no, sorry, you get 60 days of antibiotics. That's it. And oh, by the way, your doctor's no longer in network. So they weren't even going to cover his visits. It's like, oh, this is not good. Had the conversation with my dad earlier that day as well. And the bank of dad was empty. And so when I laid down next to my husband that night to try to sleep, which I couldn't because my brain had deteriorated to the point that it wasn't going through those cycles. And so I would spend my night next to him in the bed meditating and hoping for, you know, a light doze at some point. And meditation was impossible this night. My brain was like this trapped squirrel and it's bouncing off all the sides of the cage. Well, maybe I could go get a part-time job. I can't get a part-time job because I can't cook a 30-minute meal in three hours. You know, it's just around and around. And well, maybe my husband, well, he's already taking care of me and going back to grad school and has a full-time job already. There's no extra cycles there and this and that and looking for a way out and hitting all of these walls I'd been up against again and again and again. And finally, it was around three in the morning. I just gave up. I don't have a better word for it. It's like, I don't have the answer. And, you know, I've spent my entire adult life in this rational humanistic mindset. Two plus two equals four. It's got to be replicatable. God is a nice concept, but I don't really think he's engaged, that kind of thing. But in this moment, I had only one option left. And I said, God... I will do anything to get better. And I meant it with my whole being. And this little voice in the back of my mind said to me, really, anything? And I sat with that for a nice long moment because anything is a big commitment. And I thought about it. I said, I'm addressing God. And the logic behind this is God is not going to ask me to hurt anyone, to steal anything, to become an axe murderer, or that kind of stuff. And that's the stuff I would object to. So, yes, anything. And I got my first miracle because I fell asleep. And then in the morning, I had this clarity that I had to go back to this doctor that's no longer covered and get one of these IVs that he uses to clear out the toxins. Uh, even though that's not covered, I have no idea how I'm paying for any of this. <laughs> but OK, I went. And when I was there, the doctor walked through the infusion room. And the, this is where the little synergies start to happen because he never comes through the infusion room. And I waved him over and talked to him and said, look, insurance is out of the picture. What can you do for a cash pay client? Because that's basically what I'm going to be. And he said, well, if insurance is out of the picture, we do have this naturopath whose visits cost half of what mine is. And he does parasitic work. He's really good with parasites. And Lyme is basically a parasite. So I'd recommend you go have a visit with him and see what he can do for you. And, you know, he treats everything with herbs and it's like $30 a bottle as opposed to $300 for an IV. So I'm like, OK, I'm open to that. So another path opened up in front of me and I went down that road. And as I was sitting in the waiting room to see this naturopath a week or so later, there's this book sitting on the side table which is kind of unusual in a waiting room, usually it's magazines or whatever. And so the book caught my attention. And then the title of the book caught my attention even more, which was The Emotion Code. 
I mentioned I'm German and Norwegian, and we just don't do emotions. What you're taught in that culture coming up is stuff it down, press on regardless, behave like nothing happened. <laughs> right? And just just keep going. You're fine. <laughs> and that had never worked for me. I'd done a bunch of talk therapy over the years that hadn't really done a ton for me. And so if somebody had the answer to what to do with these piles of boxed up and shoved down emotions, I wanted to know. And so I started reading the book and I got in it just far enough that it's like, I think this guy has got something. And then the owner of the book came back for it. Oh, rats. Now I got to go buy a book. <laughs> But the beautiful thing was moving into this book, I discovered, well, it was confirmed for me that I had a heart wall. I always knew I'd had one and I thought everybody did. And that was like the normal way to be because <laughs> you got to protect yourself. It's a very fragile organ. And reading this book, I discovered that that is not normal. It's not a great way to function. And you're probably better off without one. And so I started really diligently taking this heart wall down. And as I'm taking this heart wall down, there is strange shit happening in my world. Okay, there's no better description for it. I'm walking through Walmart and I'm knowing things about people that I have no way to know. I'm a people watcher by nature, so I have this tendency to ask in my mind, I wonder what brought them to that, right? You'll see somebody doing something weird, but there's a reason they're doing it. There's a reason that they got to this point, and I'm always kind of curious about that. Well, I started getting the answer to that question. It's like, okay, this is really bizarre. And then other things were happening, like I would see things that I'm told don't exist crossed over dead people, little fairies, this kind of stuff. I'm like, you know, my brain is, is much more damaged by this Lyme than I realized. I think, you know, this is a scientist explaining it away. And I had all these weird experiences. I spoke in languages I'd never learned. I saw things in the past. I saw things in the future that I couldn't possibly know. And I, I keep going, well, I got this wild imagination. My brain is so damaged, you know, hopefully things will get more normal. And I'm starting to feel other people's emotions when I sit next to them or walk by them. And it gets really hard now to go into places like Walmart or the grocery store because it's like this wall of emotion and energy coming out of these places where people congregate in groups. And I'm like, wow, this is really wild. And I'm recovering, but I'm kind of feeling worse in some ways because I've got this pain in my lower back, like right at the bottom of my rib cage up next to my spine. And I'm like, I didn't do anything to throw my back out. I don't understand what's going on with this. And then I came home from the doctor, not the doctors, I came home from the grocery store and my neighbor was helping her husband into their side of the condo. And she's in her mid 80s. He's in his upper 80s. And you can see he's bent over and he's in a lot of pain. So to heck with the ice cream. And I go help him into the house. And she's like, I've got to get an appointment with the kidney doctor super quick because it's this is the worst it's ever been. And he's in so much pain. So she goes off to do that. And I'm in the living room with him trying to make him comfortable, which is like an impossibility because the pain just doesn't relent. Do you want to sit? No, I'm better standing. So we're standing in the living room and I'm holding his hands and I can see that his lips are moving and I know them to be very devout people. So I have no doubt that he's praying. 
And it feels really intrusive to be watching him in this private moment. So I close my eyes and I close my eyes and I see this little flame in my mind's eye. And it looks like a pilot light that's on the edge of going out. It's kind of bouncing and dancing in any minute it's going to go and that's going to be it. And I'm given this understanding that that is his, the state of his life force right now. He's on the edge. And I haven't acknowledged who I'm even talking to or where this information is coming from. But I said, is there something we can do about it? And that flame grew strong and roared up and became really intense. And at the same instant, he dropped my hands and he says, are you a healer? And I'm kind of looking around to see who the heck he's talking to, (laughs) because this has not entered my reality in any shape or form prior to this. And I was saved from having to answer because his wife comes out and says, oh, we've got a last minute appointment. We've got to get over there right now. So we hustle them all out into the car and I go hide in my condo for a couple of days, trying like hell to explain what just happened there. And I finally came to the conclusion that it was all my imagination. (laughs) Back to that, that handy excuse, it's my imagination. And that I was a really bad neighbor because I knew that there was a health drama going on next door. I hadn't brought over chicken soup or offered to help in any way. And so I finally convinced myself I needed to go back next door because they probably needed some help. He was in a bad way. Well, I tap on the door and his wife answers and she's smiling. I'm like, well, that's a good sign. (laughs) And so I said, hey, how's it going? How's Jay? She says, I'm so glad you're here. He's got so many questions for you. And that's when I start to go, "Uh oh, it might not have been my imagination. And she waves me into the living room. And there he is kicked back in his barca lounger looking fat and happy. And he's got a drink at his elbow and his book and the remote. And I'm like, wow, okay, you're looking pretty good, Jay. How are you doing? He says, I feel great. And you know what? It was the strangest thing. By the time we got to the doctor's office, all of the pain had gone away. And they ran me through the usual battery of tests. And my kidney function was normal. I haven't had normal kidney function in decades. And it was in that moment that the scientist in me had to sit down and shut the fuck up because I can think of only one explanation for that. And it is he asked for assistance and I became a willing channel and he got it. And I had to accept that this was part of the anything that I had signed on for and that perhaps, maybe just perhaps, all of this weirdness that I've discounted over the previous week of seeing events from the past and the motivations for what people are doing right now and feeling what's going on with other people because Jay was why my back was hurting. And except that there is much more going on in this world and in this reality than the scientist in me ever remotely imagined. So Uh, that's what brought me into this. (laughs) (laughs) Kicking Um, and screaming the whole way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for for sharing that story. It's, I think, just a very beautiful depiction of just your your journey and especially, you know, leading from a place of Lyme disease where so many people are struggling with this right now. And, you know, they go to the doctor and they can't get help and, you know, but where it led you sounds like releasing 
a lot of those emotions through the emotion code, which is a very powerful process. I've done that many times for myself and letting go of that heart wall and it's so freeing. And so it's such a powerful process. And what I'm hearing though, is that it really kind of, yeah, like you said, that two by four, it knocked you off, you know, upside the head. It's like, you will pay attention to this. Yeah. yeah, And it put you on this beautiful path, but I, I love how you use that as a, you know, catapult to where you are now. And I'm wondering if, you know, you can share a little bit about, cause it sounds like you were opened up to these divine interventions and you know some people might call them miracles some people might call them coincidences or synchronicities or you know different different words right and so i'm wondering if you can talk just a little bit more about that and you know is that available to anybody you know what would you say to somebody who is currently struggling with this and would they have you know that ability to tap into that as well Yeah, well, that was one of the things, you know, we all have spiritual counsels that like guide us through this world and they know what we need. (laughs) And mine knew that I needed this two by four. But I also have this ego. I'm one of these people who's very tied up in what I can do, right? And the first thing that your ego tries to do once you come into something like this is take credit for all of it. And my guides are wise. They sent me a bunch of people. Within a few days of this having happened, very ordinary people who are living their lives, each of whom had stood in that moment of being the channel for healing for someone who had asked for a miracle. And none of them, what I want to say, decided that, oh, it's my calling now to go off and be this healer person. But each one of them stood as the channel for the miracle for that particular healing situation people who'd, who'd had terrible car accidents and were not expected to live these kinds of situations. And so it was shown to me very clearly that anyone with a willingness and an openness can stand as a channel for miracles when one is desired. I remind myself of that when I, I get to thinking, oh, I'm special. No, I'm not special. We all have the ability to be open and surrender to being that channel. It's not as easy as it sounds because our brain wants to get in there and go, oh, but I think I know what the outcome ought to be. (laughs) And that was the other thing that was kind of challenging for me as I was going through this process was releasing the brain's expectation of what the outcome should look like. Because you get situations that arrive where it's like, oh, well, it'd be just perfect if this happened. But frequently, that's not really the answer out of the problem. And so surrendering that construct of what you think the right outcome ought to be and moving into curiosity was very key for me as well. I love that you share the word surrender. That was like the main word that came up for me as you were sharing your stories um, just earlier. And it is this surrendering process and being open to how the divine unfolds. And I'm curious because I too, when I first started learning Reiki, I thought, oh, I'm not special like those Mm -hmm. other people are. Yeah, those other people are gifted. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that that could not possibly be me. I don't I don't have that, whatever, you know, that whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say to that person that's like, well, that's for those other people with those special gifts? Um, What would you say to them? 
Well, here's what I've noticed, because I do development circles and this sort of thing and helping people blossom into their gifts. And what you will frequently see as we go around and we share our experiences and this sort of thing, each of us is gifted slightly differently. And we have places where it's naturally easier for us to grow and expand and develop than others. It's kind of like when you're in school, some people are really gifted at like reading and words and other people are gifted at math or science or history or sports or whatever the, the topic is, right? And you see that in the development circle. But what you notice is you'll have someone who perhaps has really strong, vivid clairvoyance. Okay, and and gets visuals on all kinds of things and it comes easily and quickly to them. But then you have this person sitting next to them who who gets knowings, which is what I get. My, one of my strongest channels is the knowings. And they're like, oh, well, I'm just not I'm just not gifted. I never see anything. Well, that's OK. It's OK that you never see anything because, you know, and the person who is seeing is really envious of the person who is able to know these things because that each of these channels presents different challenges, right? Because you can watch a movie, for example, without any of the sound and maybe get an idea of what's going on, but you have kind of have to impute and, and figure out what's happening from just the visuals. And so the person who just has the visuals is like, oh, God, if only I just knew what the plot was, this would be so much simpler. <laughs> and the person who just knows the plot wants to be able to see what the main protagonists look like. Right. <laughs> so what I will share with you is that your giftedness is a lot like the air that you breathe. It's just natural. It's just there. And since it's always been there, it's hard for you to even see what your, your amazing, glorious giftedness is. And it's so useful to sit in a group of other people who can reflect to you what your giftedness is and who can tell you how much they envy your particular skill set <laughs> because we all have an area in which we are very gifted. There is no one who's not. It's just you haven't realized it yet. I agree. I think everyone has a unique gift and, you know, it's just learning to tap into that and trusting in those gifts when they do arise. Cause sometimes they're just so subtle until you really start to develop them. Yeah. The it's the air that you breathe. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's a process building the trust in it. So I so often see people who beat themselves up, right? They've had this moment of, oh, I shouldn't sign this contract for no reason they can really put their finger on, but then they do it anyway. And then they beat themselves up later because they didn't listen to that knowing. Mm -hmm. Well, this is all part of the process of building trust in that knowing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to ignore it and discover there was something ugly down that road that you didn't want to be involved in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then maybe the next time it pops up, you voice your concerns mm -hmm. and you take a slightly different path. Absolutely. But recognizing too that you know, it's a process and not to beat yourself up about it, but just to, you know, what can I learn from this experience and how can I use this for the next time to remember? Exactly. It's, it's like a lot of us don't remember doing this ourselves, but we've seen other people do it. Uh, watching someone learn to walk for the first time. Mm -hmm. Okay. The baby doesn't topple over and go, oh my God, I'm a total failure. I can't believe I fell on the floor. 
Mm. It's all just part of the process. He goes, and he kind of looks at his mom to see, should I be concerned about this? And when she's encouraging, he's like, okay, I'll just get up and I'll I'll go at it again. And maybe Mm -hmm. he plops down to the left instead of the right this time. And then, you know, he goes again. And pretty soon he's he's wobbling, standing on the edge of the the coffee table, right? And so it's this process of you try, maybe you miss, maybe you succeed partially, and then you try again, and maybe you succeed a little more. I love that example. And would you consider that kind of like a a practice for living your spirituality daily? It's kind of a pick yourself up or what would that look like? Or what would that feel like? My favorite practice for living your spirituality daily is super duper simple. And it solves one of the fundamental problems that a lot of spiritual seekers have, which is, I know I have a purpose, but I don't know what it is. And I can't go anywhere until I know what it is. Right. There are a lot of people sitting under the Bodhi tree going, show me, show me the big picture (laughs) so I can get there most directly. And my spiritual practice is very, very simple. It's every morning when I'm coming into that waking state and you're still kind of in this drifty spot. I have this like meditative moment where I say, what is the single most important step for me to take on my journey today? And then taking that step, that's the kicker. You have to go take that step. And a lot of times what arrives for you seems like mundane or silly or whatever it is, but trust and take that step and it'll lead you someplace amazing. I love that question because really questions do create those answers. And when you start asking those flowing questions and just one step, it doesn't have to be like that big picture, but just that one step for today. And that will open up, you know, to the next step and the next step. So it doesn't have to feel overwhelming and you don't have to have it all figured out. It's bite-sized and manageable, exactly. (laughs) But it takes trust to continue asking that question when it looks like you're not quote-unquote going anywhere. But there are no wasted efforts on your spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. I love that you keyed on the question because that's one thing that I discovered early on is that questions are extremely powerful. They're motors in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so... What I suggest to people as they're starting to tune into like their internal self-talk with themselves, pay attention to the questions that you're asking, quote unquote, yourself, which is really questions out to the universe, because you can ask empowering questions or you can ask disempowering questions. Mm -hmm. You can go, why does this shit always happen to me? Mm -hmm. Do you really want the answer to that? Or would you rather ask something like, okay, I'm alive. I'm still in this. I'm breathing. How does it get better from here? I love that, how you use the power of inquiry or questions. I have a a similar kind of start to my morning. And I, I think for me, it puts me in this perspective of being the receiver and being open as opposed to me projecting out and almost like forcing forcing yeah what i what i <laughs> think i want to happen but it just sort of opens my perspective and i'm like okay what can i receive in today and that just kind of opens up i mean ideas or opportunities i would have never have thought of on my own yeah so I love that practice. And you mentioned purpose before. How can a person bring that sense of, you know, purpose or mission to their work? And and maybe it's work that they don't necessarily like. Maybe they're 
you know, for whatever reason, stuck in a job or a situation that isn't maybe so fulfilling, but how can Mm -hmm. they align with that sense of purpose or mission? I kind of want to share a story around that. Okay. Because I've been having these spiritual conversations on the radio for three years or so. And there are many, what I want to say, brain obvious places that people go when they're like, oh, I have a spiritual mission. I'm going to, you know, become a yogini and and lead people through, you know, the physicality of movement and that integration with spirit. I'm going to become a healer. I'm going to be a reader or a seer or or an astrologer or whatever it is. And those are all amazing spiritual ways to be dialed in. But even laundry soap can be a spiritual mission. Okay. I had a man on my show who has created a laundry soap that's much more friendly to people who are hypersensitive. He had a a child that couldn't deal with like the traditional laundry soap. So he created this extra gentle laundry soap. And then in the process of marketing and bringing that out into the world, he also had some connections into IT where the culture there, there are some untouchables in that culture. For example, if you are have a mental retardation, they kind of look at that as, oh, well, you've got a bad spirit sort of thing. And so he had a desire for these little fabric things to hold the fabric softener when you threw it in the dryer. And he wanted them to look like little angels. And he decided to have them made by these untouchables in IT so that they would have a way to be employed and sustain themselves and not have to live in abject poverty. Okay. Now he's just doing laundry stuff, but he's also doing laundry stuff as a mission. Okay. Now he's the head of his company. He can take that any direction he wants to go. So let's, let's turn this on its head and we'll take something extremely mundane. Let's say you're a, a Mason, a bricklayer. Okay. There are four different levels you can approach this at. One is, I'm making $28 an hour laying bricks, okay? Or you can take a step up from that, which is I'm building a wall that has a purpose. Or you can take a step up from that and look at it from I am participating in building this community center, which is going to help the community. Or you can look at it as I'm this work that I'm doing is bringing peace and understanding to my greater community because that's what community centers do. Okay, so you can approach any job from any of those four levels. And a lot of us get into these jobs that are are mundane or we have irritating coworkers or whatever, and we lose sight of what the mission of the job that we're doing is. And we're down to the I'm making $17.50 an hour so I can pay my rent. And I'm counting the moments until I can get out of here. You can choose to shift out of that in any moment to one of those other levels. And it kind of helps when you've shifted like that to put up with the obnoxious coworkers, <laughs> and it makes it a little easier to go in there when you connect to the higher mission of what that job is. Absolutely. I love that because you're really essentially, you know, instead of looking at the the small picture, the details, the day to day, you're zooming out and, and looking at the big picture, the objective. And that really does create such a different sense of understanding and purpose. 
Yeah, and it makes it more tolerable Mm -hmm. until you get to the point in your path where you veer off to something else that has another purpose Mm -hmm. or a higher calling. Or maybe you accelerate through the ranks in the organization and actually end up in a guidance seat because of your broader view of the mission. Mm -hmm. There are lots of ways in which these things can evolve. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing for a lot of people right now. They're, you know, they're searching for their purpose. They're searching for their mission. Why are we here? They're asking this question, right? What is my gift? What is my purpose here right now, especially as we're evolving so much and so quickly? And we have a tendency to think that that's out there, down there, Mm -hmm. out in time someplace. Mm-hmm. But everything happens right now in this now moment. And you are right now in this now moment on mission. Mm-hmm. So how do you bring that mission to your current location? Absolutely. So it kind of goes in line with, you know, just tapping into your soul and, you know, what it truly means to live a soul-led life. And so can you speak a little bit more about that and how we can truly tap into that and live that from a soul-centered place? It's about getting to know who you truly are. I found for myself, and some of your listeners may resonate with this, the first 45 years of my life, something like that, I lived a set of values. And it's not that I never examined values or made a list of what values the values were. In fact, my frustration was I'd done several different self-development courses where they start with, okay, here's this big list of values. What are yours? And looking back on it, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back on it, I went through looking for a quote unquote, the right values. Okay, which was the values I was raised with, which, as it turns out, are my mother's values. And I was, I think, around 47 when I realized that, oh, my gosh, none of these are mine. Mm. (laughs) These are all my mother's values. And in fact, let me pull this out. I'm going to make a little noise here. I've my, my soul has a sense of humor. They all start with F. And if you'll humor me, I will read them to you what my core values are, not what my mother's were. Faith, family, freedom, forgiveness, fidelity, life force, fantasticalness, Mm. fairness, focus. Uh, Come on, there's like 20 here. Flow, flexibility, fun. Firmness, feminine, fierceness, frolic, fertile, and funds as in money. Mm. (laughs) I so appreciate how you make a very practical tool of your values, starting with the letter F. Yes, they're they're all on these little three by five cards because it helps me to remind myself because I've got four and a half decades of living my mother's values. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes it's helpful to remind me of what's me and how I started to find these after I came to the realization that they weren't mine. I decided I would go on a quest, a spiritual quest of sorts to figure out what my values were. And I had, I was in the process of getting to know myself. And one of the things that happens for me 
when I'm close to something that's mine is I tap into it. There's a lightness that happens. There's a fun that happens around it. And it just, you feel this flow thing that they talk about. Okay. Time passes quickly. What you're doing while it requires effort feels effortless, this kind of thing. And so I wasn't in a space where I was going out and doing things, but I was in a space where I could go back in my history and look for those moments. And I started looking for those moments and discovering, you know, what are the things that light me up? I'm I'm an orchestrator. I like to bring people together around a a common thing. Let's, Let's go out and do it. And as I was going through these things, words would arrive in my mind. Now, I'm a knower. And one of my jobs early on was to discern what is my brain, my rational brain, and what is an intuitive thought, what is a gift from the divine. And so I was learning to discern between those two things. And as I was going through this process, I'd be getting these words that arrived. I'm like, oh, yes, that feels right. That feels like a value. And so I would write it down. And by the time I'd written down like four of these, I'm like, Hey, (laughs) they're all starting with F, (laughs) (laughs) which ironically is also one of my numbers. If you do the numerology, there's, I forget which one it is, if it's like a soul destiny thing or what it is, but one of them corresponds to the letter F, A, B, C, D, E, F, six. Yes. (laughs) So it all kind of tied back together. It's really kind of neat. My soul likes to have fun. So (laughs) we do these things. Yeah, I like that as a practical tool for spiritual living. Do you have others that you use where we can balance like creating that spiritual life that we really desire, but also making it really practical and simple and fun? Even are there other tools you use? It has to be simple and practical and fun in order for it to stick, at least for me. Simple and practical is always the easiest. One of the places I know that people run into challenges is when they're trying to change a habitual behavior, for example. Okay, and changing how you think, what the questions you lead with, this kind of stuff is habitual behavior, as is, I want to lose, you know, 20 pounds, by exercising better and eating better. And one of the things that I discovered is I can have the best of intentions, but if I haven't established my environment in a way that it supports that, forget about it. And so there's this thing called the eight second barrier. I don't know if you're familiar with that concept, but between the time that you have a thought, I should do whatever, and you actually act on it, If it takes more than eight seconds, you're not going to do it. And so what I do when I decide I'm going to change something is I look at my environment and where is it that I get caught up? Where is it that it takes me more than eight seconds to make that happen? And so I take down eight second barriers and then I also put up eight second barriers. So if I've decided that I can only watch TV while I'm on my exercise bike pedaling, okay, the remote sits on the exercise bike. It does not sit on the the side of the sofa. 
because that's not where I'm supposed to watch TV anymore. I've made a rule about this, right? So the remote sits on the exercise bike. I get on the exercise bike I and away I go. So I've put up an eight second barrier to watching TV on the couch and I've reduced an eight second barrier to watching TV on the exercise bike. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's so practical, but very much in alignment with what you want to create. And it creates like a habit trigger. You know, I see the remote on the bike. Thus, my brain goes, oh, this is what I need. This to do. is what I need to do. Exactly. Or I want to watch my whatever it is show and the remote's not by the sofa. Oh, I need to get on the bike to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for those that practical example. So if there was something more serious, though, like spiritual crisis, like something that wasn't you know, as light and fun, like, how do you guide someone through going through a, a particular crisis? When you're going through a spiritual crisis, you are never sent through it alone. There's always someone sent in your world to go through it with you. Maybe not what I want to say right there in the house with you. But for example, when I went through this opening up, Okay, I was told that I'm not supposed to share with with a bunch of people. And I said, but I got to have someone. And it turned out that the naturopath I'd been referred to had a son who was a medical intuitive. And he was the one I was allowed to share all this shit that was happening with me. You know, I was in the tub the other night and suddenly I came out with this prayer in Hebrew. <laughs> Okay. I don't know what it was. And, you know, we Googled it and looked it up and it's the candle lighting ceremony from Pesa. And it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. I don't know how I know that, but there, there it was. And it came out fully formed and it just flowed out of me. And he's like, yeah, you're channeling. Oh, okay. <laughs> what does this mean? Right. There's always someone who's either been there before you can help support you through it, provide you guidance as you're going along. And sometimes they're people, you know, sometimes they're strangers, but there's always someone. So find who the someone is. It's not always who you want it to be. That's a brain thing you have to let go of. The other thing to know about these moments is they suck. A lot of people are like, oh, enlightenment all oh, flowers and unicorns and rainbows <laughs> enlightenment is a bitch you are put in some very dark places because the way to see a little tiny candle is in this dark black dark and all of the distractions are gone you can't see them all of the noise is shut out you are alone with yourself with your soul looking for that spark of who you are and you have to be in the dark to do it you are in the right place i know it sucks sideways i feel you i've been there but you will find that spark of light and you will find your way out of this and you will be a much bigger better brighter more badass enlightened person when you're through all of this and we love you and we hold you close and I think there's a, you know, another keyword there is through, you know, so it's recognizing there's no getting over anything, but getting through it and we're, we're not alone. And to recognize going through these spiritual crises, you know, it can feel very solo, you know, and it is a solo journey, of course, but recognizing there's people and, you know, helpers, guides, you know, sources just to, to recognize that 
there's no alone. We're, we're in community, we're, you know, in connection. And and I think there's an important, you know, that's another value. I think that's becoming more and more present and fulfilled here, you know, especially after the pandemic, recognizing how much people need each other. And I think that's becoming more and more apparent and just to tap into that. So Absolutely. So on that, on that intense note. Yeah. So please, uh, please tell us, Sophia, where can our listeners find you and, and anything that you're currently working on? Okay. If you're in one of those intense moments, I'm going to extend a handout to you. I have a free 20 minute conversation that I have with people. If you are going through something right now and you haven't been able to find your helper, it might be me. And so you can go to book, B-O-O-K, Zofia, Z-O-F-I-A, coffeechat.com, bookcoffeechat.com, and you can get on my calendar for a 20-minute conversation. And we'll just see what that is, okay? It's free. There are no strings. You don't have to sign up to work with me or buy anything, okay? The other way you can engage with me, and this goes back to the fun and frolic, (laughs) (laughs) I created a quiz. I call it the superpower quiz. And it helps you to see what this air is that you're breathing, Mm -hmm. to understand what your giftedness is and what your function is in this world. So you can go to superpowerquiz.us. It takes about a minute to go through all the questions. And then you get a nice little report at the end that tells you about your giftedness. That's beautiful. And we will add those to the show notes as well. So people can easily find you. Yeah. So so thank thank you you. so much. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Sophia Renea, for being here today. It's been a beautiful conversation and just love having this conscious space to to have these beautiful conversations. And thank you for listening to Be The Love podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to our show, please share the love by sharing it with your friends, giving us a five-star written review on iTunes, liking us on Facebook, or making a donation by visiting our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays and Thursdays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Time. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Christy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphic. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey to align to our divine purpose and shine our lights. So keep on shining.